What's happening, y'all? This is Todd Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. We are blessed to have Matt Barnes coming to the show, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, for thanks for having me. Blessing us here and, um, you know, uh, all the accolades, everything that you've done with the game, uh, NBA vet, uh, you know, father, and just uh, doing a lot of stuff just in media with your podcast and other things that you have going on, man. Thank you for taking the time yeah, out. No and, um, you know, we like to start the show with the wall of hoop. Yeah. Got all the hoop movies. This is impressive. Movies. I was telling you, this is impressive, you. man. Have you seen that new one, Elevate Your Game? I have, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm on it now. I'm on it now. Yeah, man. So what's your favorite hoop movie, hoop movies, and why? Um, Above the Rim. Uh, I just thought it was such a dope. Playground basketball story because I grew up playing on the playground. Uh, Pac is one of my favorite humans. Uh, obviously, he had a great cast, uh, so that's a legendary movie. Um, he Got Game uh, is a funny story behind that movie. Um, I was getting recruited at this time. I was a senior in high school when this movie came out. So uh, I took my girlfriend at the time to go see this movie, and you see Ray Allen in there with twins. And then, <laughs> so she's like, is this what college is about? I said no at the time, um, but um, that's why that one always kind of sticks with me. And then uh, probably White Man Can't Jump, um, just a, a cult classic that was just remade. I haven't got a chance to see uh, Kenya Barris's uh, rendition of it, but uh, obviously Wesley and Woody. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to remake classic. Like I said, it'd be hard yeah. to remake Above the Rim, like any of these movies. There's so many. I mean, I could talk about all these movies, but uh, those, th those three definitely jump out. No, absolutely. Those are the three that um, I definitely probably shouldn't have been watching at the age I was, <laughs> but I got especially he got game. My mom, oh, it's a basketball movie right. with an NBA player and Denzel's in it. So little did she, she know, know the, uh, the twin, the twin mountains as they call them in that, that movie. Yeah. Um, so great, man. Um, man, we like to just hop right in. I've been uh, been able to be around your boys for the last three years. Being in core is uh, been amazing. They are just awesome kids. I remember the the first time. I met them, they had to check me almost. And I know something you probably taught them like, yo, see if I knew what I was talking about kind mm -hmm. of thing. And I'll never forget it. It was Carter. And he um, like, coach, why am I doing this move? He asked that question. It was during summer camp. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, this is why. And Isaiah was like, are you sure though, coach? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, what are y'all pressing me for? And I had that. on you. Man, I was like, no, this is why. And then from that moment on, man, they knew, I knew what I was talking about. And I, man, I love that about them because they love hard, man. Yeah. And I know oh, it's absolutely. from your passion and everything that you yeah. have. Um, what's it like just uh, the boys, you, you were in, probably in your prime years in the NBA mm -hmm. when you had your boys. Mm -hmm. What was that like just raising them and investing into them at that same time? Oh, man, time? Great, greatest gift ever. Uh, you know, my boys, are, I mean, all three of my boys, you know, that they're, they're my proudest accomplishments. Um, I had the twins in the midst, you know, as he said, as my uh, of my career. And I, I learned, and I was a very hands-on dad from the beginning. Baz, you know, going them going to the bathroom on me, throwing up on me, doing all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff on me. I was very hands-on. I had to learn early in that season because they came November 6th. That's right at the beginning of the NBA okay. season. So it's just like I had to learn early on that I can't stay up nights because we had a whole little routine where... They'd wake up about 10, 15 minutes apart, and she breastfed. So one would get on, and as soon as the second baby would wake up, I'd take, the, I'd give her the second baby. I'd take the first baby off, burp them, change them, put it back to sleep. Yeah. So every two or three hours, you know what I mean? So it was a real routine. Uh, but I loved it, you know, to see two, two little guys that, you know, kept growing and, and looking like me to, you know, the young men they are today. You know, I've always just 
taught the boys like hands on early on. So, you know, the, the thing I loved the most was they were able to travel with me towards the end of my career. They're in the locker room with Kobe Bryant and, you know, their stepdad, Derek and Powell and, and Bynum and those teams. And then they're in the locker room with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and Jamal, Jamal Crawford and my shout out my man, DeAndre Jordan, that just won a championship the other day, mm-hmm. Lob City in the locker room with Kobe. That's Uncle Kobe. Kobe, Kobe met them at three years old and, and, and literally sent them shoes every time he had a release and the last pair of the shoes they got was like two weeks before he passed. So Kobe was, you know, really dope guy. So um, they've just been very high IQ. They've been able to soak up so much game. Um, And not to mention, I didn't even mention the Warriors with KD, Steph, Clay. They're in the, you know, I think they're eight years old in the Western Conference Finals practice having a shootout against Steph and KD. You know, like what kids can say that they're on the plane with us. They're on the, the, the stage with us when we win the championship and they're trying to take the MVP trophy from KD and the championship trophy from Steph. Like you couldn't tell them they didn't win a championship. You know what I mean? So um, just life comes at you fast. And I wanted to give them as many positive experiences, but also real from a standpoint. I, I came from a background of um, violence, drugs, abuse and saw a lot early. You know, my dad was a drug dealer. So um, obviously understanding what I saw and, and just the time it was in the 80s, everyone was kind of with that. And, you know, I kind of came up in that era, but never went down those lanes. You know, I'm, I'm a cannabis advocate and we can talk about that later. So, but that was the only kind of thing that, 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 that drew me. So early on, I started having conversations because the boys caught me at maybe that summer I won a championship, eight years old, I rented a big old house for the summer and I put them to sleep and I went down by the pool to, you know, have my end of the evening uh, medication. And uh, one of them looked out the window and, and the next morning they're like, Dad, you know, if you smoke cigarettes, you can, uh, you're going to get your lungs are going to get all black. They had just learned about this and they were they so proud to tell They were on program. me. <laughs> and I was like, dang, do I tell them the truth right now or do I tell them that, you know, or do I just go with the, the cigarette? And I just chose that, you know, I think they're about to turn nine. It's just like, you know, this is what this is. And the reason why I do this, you know, daddy's ankles, knees, back hurt. And I don't like to take medicine and I don't drink alcohol. So, you know, if I do this, it'll help me sleep better. It'll help my body feel better. And Carter, the same one that had to question you, <laughs> Carter's like, well, daddy, I just sprained my ankle. When can I try that? I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, I was like, you got to be old to do that. But again, just super intelligent and you know, intuitive to ask a lot of questions. And, and that's the way I raised them. And, uh, you know, one great thing about, you know, giving the, get them to you guys for core is, you know, not only did they get better as players, but they, they've developed as men. And to me, that's just as important, if not more important. You know, I want to have high character sons and, and, all three of my sons. And I think there's such a misconception of who I was because I was yeah. someone that'll slap you, fight you, cuss the ref out in the game. But when people meet me, they're like, oh, nice. you know what you're saying. Yeah, you're yeah. super chill, but you're, you know, you, you, you have some sense to you. You know what I mean? So um, I don't want people to automatically think like Matt Barnes' kids are wild cars. Look out, they'll do this. And that. I mean, it's probably in them, but it's not who they are. You know what I mean? So I definitely. It's just like you. They're like that on the court. Right, they're, right. They're competitors, court, you know, yeah. and their mom and their mom is really, you know, my ex-wife is really high on, on, on the academics and the, and the manners and, and, and Mrs. M- Miss and Mr. And, and Mrs. and please and thank you. So, mm. you know, it, it, it's a team effort to, to raise these young men. But, yeah, you you personally, too, you know, I definitely want to thank you. You know, the last three years with you, you know, you were their favorite coach. And, uh, you know, just to have them with you and with someone I trust and someone they had to check to make sure he, he knew what you <laughs> was talking about, uh, you know, it was a good it was a good situation. No, I appreciate that, man. They, um, you know, I shed a little thug tear <sighs> during the end of the year ceremony with them. 
because of the impact they had on my life. You know, mm. you, you reflect back and like, you know, I'm coach, mentor, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, they changed me too. Like, because yeah, they're tough. such they're such good kids and yeah. they love, they just love life, man. They yeah. make you feel happy and they show love and they're just continuing to get better at basketball. Yeah. They're transitioning into high school. Um, what's, now, what's that like? You know, they're going into high school now, right? I don't like I it. Love... <laughs> I don't like it, man. What is going on? No, we ain't talking my... about basketball. We talking about uh, the girls. No, I'm uh, just talking about like what happened to my baby. You know, uh, what I mean, luckily man. I have a four year old now that's kind of allowing me to relive those. But it just seems like it went by so fast. Like I, I was telling my fiance the other day, I was like, "Kids in high school, what? What's going on?" So. Well, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, that I guess that that's part of yeah. it is seeing their growth over the years. Um, you know, from my my perspective, they're ready for high school mm-hmm. maturity wise and all that. Um, I think it's great. They they didn't reclassify in a generation mm-hmm. that reclassifies a mm-hmm. lot, but they're mature enough to handle the academic, mm-hmm. the social, the psychological. Yeah. They're prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to hear and see um, a former NBA player's perspective going into high school. Are they? Starting on varsity right away is that uh, uh, you know a requirement for them? What's their development process and what's the in the in end of the I guess end of the year or maybe end of high school goal for them? Um, my process is it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, to me, I want the boys to peak at the right time. You know, I've been fortunate enough to coach them since they were eight or nine years old when I retired, and it's it, to me it's never about being. The best 10, 11, 12-year-old, 13, 14, like none of that stuff matters to me. It's about continuing to understand the game. I teach them to see the game and feel the game and understand the game. Don't just play the game. Playing the game is the easy part. You've got to, you've got to get the mental side of the game. So uh, to me, it's just been a, a steady climb, brick by brick, day by day. And I was never a dad that was going to force them to work out because like most kids, they like video games. So just, you know, play your video games. And one time for their 10th birthday, uh, it's surprised them and took them to um, Orange County and Kobe worked them out. Me and Kobe talked the night before and they're just like, what are they into? I was like, shit, I'm shoot. all they do is video games. And then Kobe's like, okay. So when he came in, hugged them, what's up, what's going on, how you guys been, where you got to go to college and Eunice said, UCLA, their little squeaky voices and Kobe's <laughs> like, well, you're not going to play basketball. And they're like, huh? Then no, your dad tells me you don't like to work. All you guys want to do is, is, is be on your uh, iPads. And that's not a bad thing because it's, you know, you're smart. You can go to UCLA to be a scholar, but you're not going to play basketball. And they were like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? So that kind of sparked their mind to start wanting to work out. But again, it kind of died off a little bit. So, you know, they're 14 now. I'd probably say at about 12 is when they're like, eh, 12 and a half, like, all right, dad, we want to work out. And to me, that was great. You know, I'm super busy, but I didn't have time to do all that stuff. And I don't think I need to be the one that's always doing. They need to hear other voices. So, you know, I got them with, you know, Chris Johnson and Corey and, you know, obviously doing the, the, the core prep work. So, you know, my whole thing, I, to answer your question, going into high school, it, it's about development. Um, I don't have, whether they play varsity, JV, I don't care. You know, my my ideal, and I'm you know, going to have this conversation with their coach or over at Notre Dame now, is if, you know, if they can get 12 to 15 minutes a game on varsity, great, they'll stay up. But if they can't, they need to develop. It's not, like, I'm not one of those parents, like, everyone, you tear everyone, you especially coach, I'm going to play varsity next year. And that's great, but you have to play. You have to play. You have to get out there on the court and actually play. And if you're not playing, you're wasting precious development time. So, again, they, they've had a chance to play a few tournaments um, with the varsity team and did really good in their spot. And, you know, again, my, I'm, I'm a mental person, you know, so I'm telling them how to approach the game coming off the bench because I was someone who started half my career and came off the bench half my career. You guys are freshmen, so you have a long leash. 
you got to take care of the ball. you got to make smart decisions, but still be you. Um, and Isaiah found his niche. You know, Isaiah was second on the team in assists in limited minutes, and he had no turnovers in, in, in four games. And Carter led the team in steals in limited minutes. You know, so, like, again, I told them, you're not going to be able to freely gun like you do with AU, or maybe you might do in eighth grade. Like, you're the youngster. So you have to do the little things, diving on the floor, the hustle plays, take charges, rebounds, talks on both sides of the ball. So just kind of, I love, and the, the dope thing about the boys is they're just such sponge. So they just sit there and listen to what, you know, and if yeah. they have a question, they'll ask back. But I, again, I try to give them the mental side of it. So um, again, they're at Notre Dame right now, which we think is a, a very solid program. And you know, they're just coming off the success they had last year. And, you know, if, if, if they can prove to the coach by the end of this summer that, hey, you know, we deserve 12 minutes to 15 minutes, you know, not them saying that, but if they can show the coach that, great. You know, they can stay there. But if not, you know, they'll play varsity or excuse me, JV this year and, and really work on their game. Nah, absolutely. I, I I love to hear that. I love for the parents to hear that coming from someone whose kids, one, you have the experience of becoming a pro. And, you know, that's where most people are aiming for. Mm -hmm. And then also as um, just a, in the shoes of a parent, right? Like, like, hey. It's okay if my kids are, are aren't playing at varsity right mm -hmm. away mm -mm. and they're developing. Yep. And I have to ask this question because I just thought about it as you're saying this is that you know you have twin boys, so it's great because they have this competitiveness against each other, which mm -hmm. helps build their skill. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you how will you manage if one's going one way and one's going the other? One you know, one of the boys is able to earn twelve to fifteen minutes, and the other mm -hmm. one is not. Have you ever uh, thought about that? I haven't. I haven't. And, and, and that's a real possibility, um, you know, and, and that's a conversation I think that, that, that me and them will sit down and have and, and, and see what they want. You know, they've always been together. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if one is varsity ready and one is not varsity ready, you know, that's a conversation that we'll, we'll discuss. And to me, my goal, if that happens, is to make sure, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the right approach to encourage the one that, you know, say one stays on varsity, one plays JV, like the, the mental side of this thing. Like, yeah. Okay, not like instead of getting down on yourself like okay bro there's some work we have to do yeah. you know what i mean because you're just as good as your brother you can play on that level right. but you didn't show the coach that so what do you feel like you know i always like to tell like what do you want to work on like it's crazy my their mom and i sat down this summer like well, what do we want them to improve on and you know, so five or six weeks ago with their trainer but my goal is like what do you think you need to work on you know this mm -hmm. is what i see as a dad and as a former player and you know, your mom sees, but what do you guys feel like? I want to make sure they're in tune with what we see, you know what I mean? So they're just well aware of their game. So, you know, to me, it ain't nothing but work. And again, you know, our goal is to, to, to peak at 16, 17, 18. So these are the times now where you're going to grind and take your bumps and, and, and understand it. Also build character because I, I, I got to imagine that would be hard to see your brother up and you're down. You know what I mean? If that happens to happen. So you know, how, how do you deal with that kind of adversity? How do you, you know, how do you handle that in the, in, in the proper way to, motivate yourself so all stuff that you know i guess comes with fatherhood that, I, yeah. that i'm looking forward to but uh, again like the goal with the boys is you know to peak at the right time i've been in this for a long time and i've played with the best 13 14 15 16 7 18 year olds in the country at the time and none of those guys made the league like right. to me it's all about just getting better the numbers and the rankings and this none of that like this is all so new and it, i think it's cool for the kids but it to me it also makes them take their foot off the gas a little bit because you see yourself ranked or your team ranked and this is like you know we growing up like we didn't know who was ranked what was right. going on until <laughs> and we didn't even know who we were playing until we got to the gym right 
You know what I mean? So and it's just like, a different. That's that dude. That's him. I think I think I've heard of him. <laughs> right. You know, I think you know, but now it's just so different. So, you know, to me, it's just you know, have a vision, have a goal. You know, obviously their goal is to go to college, and and I think you know if, if they put the work in, they'll have an opportunity to pick any college they want. And then after that, it's the NBA, and you know, with their work ethic and and who we surround them with, I think they'll have a shot like that too. You know, because I have a feeling they're going to start growing really soon. One's a fourteen, mm-hmm. one's a thirteen and a half. So. Yeah. This is the time I went from five ten to six four, and then six four to six eight. Then you know, by the time I was a junior in high school, so um, hopefully the boys, you know, will, will, are going to get some of that height and, and continue to improve. I ain't ready for that. I ain't crazy, ready. right? To give them a, a, a little hug and my head right. in their chest. It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> like, what's up, little, what's up, little coach? <laughs> now, I happened with Elijah this summer. Mm-hmm. Or, or, like, he just all of a sudden six six. Like, what, what did you do? Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. In, in coaching them, you know, you see this a lot. So you have a lot of uh, players, former players whose kids are in there. I mm-hmm. think you've done a great job of keeping them, like, in a humble place, and they still have that that chip on their shoulder, mm-hmm. that edge. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they live maybe a privilege, more privileged life than you did. Yeah, absolutely. How did you keep that going? How do And this is for parents who are just successful in general, I mm-hmm. think. I think where we live in the Valley, you know, we have a lot of successful parents, and these kids grow up with more stuff than their parents had, mm-hmm. or, you know, a sense of privilege. I was, I'm going to call it what it is. How did you keep that chip on their shoulder? Um, I think it started at a young age where, you know, we made them aware that, you know, they live behind gates and go to private schools. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that's not, I grew up food stamps, drugs, house to house, family, living with, you know, I didn't grow up the same way. So we let them know at an early age, like, hey, this is not all either your friends are going to live this kind of life. You know what I mean? They're, they don't live this life. So at an early age, I, you know, I credit their mom. We used to do toy giveaways and shoe giveaways and all that. So they got, there's two of them, so there's always going to be a ton of stuff. So mm-hmm. we'd always used to just give back to the community, to other kids, and make them understand. And I think that kind of obviously carried over to basketball, just kind of more self-aware about life, not just basketball. But yeah. then as they continue to play like they used to be the best on their team, you know, the kids caught up and some kids reclassed. And, you know, so they go from the top to kind of the middle of the pack. And you have to just keep working, and I'm okay with that. You know, at first yeah. they're like, they were the guys getting a ton of shots, but it doesn't work like that now. And then and that's not where they're currently at, and especially with our team. You know, we have a top five, you know, team in the country. We got some really good kids on the team. So I'm I'm a one of those dads like you got to earn everything. You know, yeah. so one twin starts, one doesn't, yeah. and and when one comes off the bench, and to me it's never really. And I I give them this approach, and I give our team this approach. Like it's never about who starts. It's the coach. It's about who finishes the game. That's who the coach trusts the most. Yep. You know, who's on the floor in the last three minutes? You know, who's making shots when it matters? Who's getting stops when it matters? So, and with that said, it's never, sometimes the starting lineup finishes. Sometimes the, the five people who are on a roll will finish the game. So, again, I just keep them kind of giving them perspective. You know, got to work, you know, and, and this is the summer that literally, you know, we just sat down maybe two weeks ago and I was like, you know, this is the separation summer now. You know, like we've never really got down to weights and early morning training like they've just yeah. worked out in the afternoon like this is the summer to where we're going to start working on our body our core our endurance um you know continue to work on the mental approach of the game so this and, and they've been excited you know so it's yeah. it's it's fun you know like i said because it, it, it kind of keeps me going and making me feel young and remembering the advantages that i didn't have none of this stuff growing up you know first of all i went from sport to sport to sport to sport we i played every single sport under the moon but didn't have the means of Having cleats, I played baseball and tennis shoes, and someone's family bought me a glove and just beat up basketball shoes and just thinking like, all right, I put you guys in a position with all these advantages, and and you're appreciative of it, but let's you know let's let let's start taking advantage of 
you know, the opportunity you have. And this is the summer that, you know, they, they, they've decided they want to do it as well. Good. No, that's awesome. I think uh, any, any parent who can understand the value of adversity, right, and then put their kids in a position not to necessarily experience what they did, but to feel that same hunger mm-hmm. will take you such a far oh, yeah. because it's going to go beyond basketball. I was about to say, it, it, it's much more than basketball. I mean, there's so many things you learn from team sports that they, you know, leadership, you know, working together, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that you learn from this. And, and that's why, and I pointed out earlier, it's, to me, it's about developing the man. I, I tell our parents on the team, like, I want your sons to be better people when they're done with me, not just better players. I don't have time to teach them the skill, but I'm going to teach them the mental side and how to approach this and, you know, tell them about the mistakes I made along the way because I made a whole bunch of them, you know what I mean? And and, and, it, and it's it, you grow from that, from showing habits that, okay, I did this, let me change, you know, let me switch direction. So, again, everything is is, is the mental approach and, and, and just want to kind of prepare not only my boys, but, you know, the boys I coach because I look at them as, you know, extended sons as well. Just give them the best opportunity and, and help the parents understand and grow because, like you said earlier, the hardest thing is getting the parents to go in this space because every yeah. parent thinks their son is going D1. Every parent thinks their son is a pro. Every parent thinks their son needs all the shots and needs to handle the ball and the pick and roll. And, you know, we lost some talented players because I had to be real with parents. Like, that's not your son. That's not really what he'll, he'll – and I don't want to say never because you don't know that, but that's not going to be – if he makes a run, it's not going to be because of what you're asking yeah. me for him to do. You know what I mean? So and, – and that's okay if – we disagree and, and, and we happen to lose someone. I'd rather, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'd rather give you the best chance and best idea of like someone who played the game for 15 years and still gets paid good money to talk about a game. I know the game. <laughs> right. I'm going to give right. you what I see, you know, with your son. And, and, you know, the best of luck. So, you know, like I said, there's no sugarcoating. It's real. There's no because they're my sons. They're going to get up all the shots and play all the minutes. If they're, if they're playing bad, they're going to come sit next to their dad. You know, come, sit, come, come sit next to your dad and, and see where you can be effective on the court. So. No, I love that. I, um, just seeing, seeing. I didn't. I, I don't know. I'm trying to remember the first time I went to go watch you coach the boys, mm-hmm. and you know, one of the boys was coming off the bench. And I'm like, oh man, that is refreshing to see no daddy ball happening, mm-hmm. right? And then somebody who, you know, you you got all the leverage in the world to yeah. do it, right? Yeah. And you don't. And I was like, man, that's now that's how it's supposed to yeah. look. And and you you have it both ways. You have people who've have a lot of experience in basketball who do it and people, mm-hmm. you know, dads just putting their own teams yeah. together and doing it. And so mm-hmm. I always respected that. Well, I didn't want to, I don't want to set them up for failure because I'm not always going to be able to coach them. You know yeah. what I mean? So you have to be, like you said earlier, we got to be able to handle adversity. You got to be able to hear different voices. That's why I brought an assistant coach in and, and she's a female. So for her to kind of earn their respect and listen, because you know, all these boys are hardheaded. You know, our whole team mm-hmm. and they're hardheaded. Yeah. And, you know, I got to cuss at them and, and it's, it's, that's how they respond. And, you know, all of them, obviously I can talk to each, each of them different individually, but it's, it's just, you know, it's, 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 it, it has to be real. Like, I don't want to set anyone up for, you know, I got all this in this position, so I'm just going to get all this. That's not, you have to earn it on each level. And every time you, now you're in, you know, you're in high school, the whole earning your respect in your minutes starts all over. You know what I mean? Who cares what you did in AU? So it's just a different mindset each stop of the way. And that's what I want to prepare. Yeah, I think that they're going to be prepared for any type of coaching. Yeah, I've seen you be cool and calm mm-hmm. and hey, X's and O's type mm-hmm. stuff. But then I see you, yo, yep. you're not doing what mm-hmm. is was expected of you right. and get on them. And they, the way they respond is what I love. Well, I think the, 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 the key to that, Todd, is I think too often, even I mean, we can contend, like people don't like to be screamed at. Grown men don't like to be screamed at. So why would kids like to be screamed at? And I see some coaches scream and cuss. I'm just like, man, I feel bad for you. 
Mm -hmm. you're not even under like you're not even going to receive the coaching if this guy can coach right you're not going to receive the coaching so i i found early on with me being six eight and i started coaching kids at eight years old like i had to get down on a knee like to me for parents and, and coaches out there like you have to if you want to bring kids with you and want them to follow and believe in you and my kids and my team will run through a wall for me like that's how much they believe in me on and off the court you have to go down to their level understand them know who they are get their trust and then bring them with you. You can't talk down to them. You can't always, this right. is how it's supposed to be. Or this is what's going on or because I play. This is it's not how it works. Right. This is a new generation, new hard-headed kids, parents that think they know everything. So like I said, you, earning the kids' trust and the parents' trust is, is, is crucial. And I really feel like you said, they respond to me and I know there's different ways where I could be cool. Sometimes I have to cuss you out. Sometimes I have to sit our best player for the entire half because I don't feel like he's hustling and I'm tired of telling him that. You know, yeah. just to show him like, bro, like, you are our best player, but your energy and your attitude is going to, the only thing that's going to stop you from succeeding in this game. And I have to teach them hard lessons sometimes. And then I'll have to talk to his dad, like, hey, you see, this is why I'm doing this. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, hey, you're right. You know what I mean? I've been trying to tell him too. So it's just like, I want to be, a, you know, obviously a coach, but also a mentor, father figure, because like I said, I want to give all these kids the best opportunity they have, you know, chance to have to go forward. If not, I'm, you know, I went, I'm wasting everybody's time. Absolutely. No, that's, I think that's great. Great perspective and advice to everybody who's coaching all the way around. Yeah. When did you know that you were a pro? <sighs> to be honest with you, I thought I was going to be a football player. Football was my first sport. Uh, you know, I was an All-American, led the nation in touchdowns my senior year. Wide uh, receiver? Or yeah, receiver, receiver. wide receiver. Wide receiver. Um, so I just thought that, but then I was also, you know, I was All-American in basketball. But I was just more, and if you looked at me, like I told my, with over my crowd, I was a football player playing basketball. That's why I love the physicality. That's why I never ran from the smoke. That's why I love playing defense. Like I just loved, I was a football player. Um, so going pro, I mean, obviously everyone thinks they're going, because I was just like these kids. Like right. I'm going to go pro in the NBA <laughs> or the NFL. And one of them I was going to do it in. Um, but, you know, the harsh reality is, is it doesn't always work out that way. You know, so I was drafted and I was cut um, my first training camp. In Cleveland, and I had to go to the G League and grind. Bro, when, as soon as I got there, it was horrible. It was right when the I think it was G League back then. Mm -hmm. It's like the second year in existence, Oof. and I'm in Fayetteville, North Carolina, Oof. and bus rides. Buses, and yeah. If we take the plane, it's like one of those La Bamba planes where, I'm like, bro, I'd rather just take the bus <laughs> than this. You know what I mean? So I just knew early on, I was just like, okay, because I think some people exhale when their name is called. You know, now my name was called by David Stern. Around. So I don't know who was calling the name at the time, but you know, my right. name was called. I was drafted, you know. So I think people like, but you know, that's that's just the that's beginning. The beginning. Yeah. You know what I mean? You gotta you gotta grind now because, similar to you know the boys being freshmen playing against varsity, I'm 21 years old playing against grown 30 year old men that I've idolized and looked up to. So um, <clears throat> early on, it was a grind, and uh, right when I went to the to the to the D League, I knew that I, I wasn't gonna stay here long, and I'm gonna make the NBA. And I just told myself that, but I had to put the work in, and and I did, and and it happened. How many were you? How long were you in the D? I was for uh, a season. Before, and the, the next season, I was able to go to the Clippers. Um, Mike Dunleavy, a young Clipper team. Uh, Quentin Richardson, Keon Dooley, Corey oh, Maggette, yeah. Elton Brand. Hello, um, was Hello there? Hello was yeah. still there. Yeah, so just one of those. It was, uh, it, it, was, it was dope, but I got thrown in the fire early and just kind of learned what this game was about. But I think playing with such a young team, because those guys were my age, they just probably stayed a year or two or, you know, three years in college. So they just had, you know, a year in advantage of me. So I think it was dope because we were all just so young. 
I got to learn how to play the game as a young player and, and not have to have any burnt out vets <laughs> that were trying to, you know, regulate too much. So it was, it was, it was cool. And did you have any OG or like a veteran who you kind of, you know? Yeah, kinda... definitely. I would say Chris Weber. Um, oddly enough, so I'm, you know, I'm a NorCal guy and I'm at UCLA and this is when the Kings and, and Lakers are going at it. Yeah. Um, in the playoffs, and Sacramento had a really good team. You know, Bibby, Weber, Peja, Vlade, Bobby Jackson, sixth man of the year. Like, they were nice. Hito, young Hito Turkaloo. Um, so, you know, obviously I'm a Laker fan, born and raised, but, you know, when we moved to Sacramento at, like, 9 or 10, like, that was a hometown team. That's when they started, they started growing on me. So, uh, you know, just kind of a fan repping sack in L.A. wasn't easy, but I would always get a chance to go home, and, and Webb was someone that, you know, when I was in college, like, yo, come up to the building and work out with us. Are you kidding me? So I'm up there in the facility with Webb and Bib and meeting all these guys and the coaches and the strength coaches and kind of just mentored me. And then after my first season with the Clips, um, I had an opportunity to sign a two-year deal, which I probably should have did. I should have just stayed there. But this is when Sacramento was still kind of in their their prime. So I was working out all, all summer, and Adelman came up to me and, and, and you know, I'm watching all summer. You play really well. You want to be a king. Home, yeah. Absolutely. So I did that, and but it's also the same year that at the trade deadline they traded Webb to Philly. So then that, that began my roller coaster. So I was home for half a season. That was amazing. Really dope. You know, came from the hometown, but then got traded with Webb, and then it kind of started a marathon where I didn't really get opportunities, and I just had to keep grinding, keep grinding, and, and, and you know, staying ready and preparing and getting better. Yeah. Yeah. What is um? What's the most? Because it sounds like. In the NBA, you had a lot of bumps, ups and downs that helped you sustain, especially mm -hmm. towards you know the end of your career more so. Where's the biggest adversity that you faced in the NBA? Mm -hmm. Was it on the court in practice or even in your personal life? And how'd you um, that? I had a lot of, I was always in the tabloids for something, man, whether, whether it was <laughs> sports related or TMZ related. I just had a lot of stuff going on. But I think really kind of just the biggest obstacle is having that chip on my shoulder because, you know, for the first five years, you know, I was playing on one year deals. You know, so every game was an audition, not only for my team, but the rest of the NBA, you know, so not, you know, starting off playing a lot and then getting traded to Philly and not playing at all, contemplating, am I good enough? Am I, am I going to make the NBA and then catching on with the Warriors and having a historical season and kind of becoming a household name after that. But like up until that point, I was literally on one year deals every year. So it's just like, there was no time to slip. And I was always someone, I mean, like to think I'm a pretty cool person, so I was always hanging out with the superstars, but I also know that doing what sometimes I had to step away or couldn't do what they do because I'm on a one-year deal. Like, I'm not Allen Iverson. I'm not Kobe. I'm not these stars I was playing with, so it's just like, yeah, you can kick it and you can do this, but yeah, I can't do that. You know, I, I knew that. I gotta get back I, I know, my, you know, I, I know myself you know, and, and, and where I'm trying to go and what I'm trying to accomplish, so just kind of, again, being self-aware and understanding and Understanding too, Todd, you got to think in, in the history of the league, there's, always, there's under 5,000 players, you know what I mean? So, and, and everyone in the world wants to be an NBA player, wild, you know what man. I mean? So it's just like, you know, if, if you wanted to make it work, work. And then once I kind of understood, I, I think I found my role in 2007, just like a defense, rebounding, toughness, knocking down threes. Yeah, I want to do more, but that's not, that's not what got me all these years. It's just, we'll just continue to build on that. And... That's why I said, like, you know, I played 15 years, but I was paid for 17 years. I retired the first year into a three-year deal, but I could have played literally. I, I, I played it. There's not many people that can say, especially considering my, my, my track record getting there, 
I played until I didn't want to play no more. You know what I mean? And there's not a ton of guys that can say that, but I, I, I say the only reason why that happens because I bought into my role. I understood what my role was. Yeah, did I want more shots? Yeah, did I want to do this? Did I want to do that? Yeah, of course I did. But I also like these checks. So let me do <laughs> what I know the coach wants me to do so I can continue to get paid and continue to, to, to live this dream. And I think that's the hardest thing because I remember Doc Rivers used to say, be a star in your role. Yeah. Like each team, if you're talking about the NBA, probably has two superstars. And then after that, even if you're an all-star, you're a role player. You're, an over, you're, you're, you're a hell of a role player. You're an all-star level role player, but you're a role player. You know, yeah. So just be a star in whatever that role may be. And like I said, I found that maybe six years into my career and just mastered my role. That's why wherever I went, you can say, oh, you play, for, you, know, you play for eight teams. But every team I went to, I either started, I was the first or second guy to come off the bench. I was a pivotal piece. I was always playing at the end of the game, hitting big shots. I was playing. like I did my thing. I did what I was supposed to do out there. You know, So it was just... I think understanding myself, understanding my role and throwing out what I wanted to do and understand what I had to do and then master that. Advice, young fellas, Man, for those master who are it. getting about to get, you know, drafts in a week. <clears throat> listen to that. Everybody can't role. score like, you know, Kobe and Steph and Kate, like these guys are and there's going to be some of you out there. there I'm, I'm sure there will be. But for those guys that are just it, it may not be you, but there's still so much you can add to the game and you can still be a pro. Yeah. I always tell our kids like. What's the best thing you do? First, I ask all of them. I was like, well, if that's not working, how else can you affect the game? Yeah. If your shot's not falling, if you're not getting the touches, if, if there's, a, there's a lot of variables you can't control, but if the best thing you do, if you're a bucket getter, how else can you help the team? I can you know, make plays for my, okay. Well, think about that. And also think about it when your, your offense is going, that you can also do all these other things as well. So sometimes I think kids pigeonhole themselves because they think I need to score 30 or 40. Yeah. And that's not, that's not real basketball. And, and, Rarely are you going to be able to continue to do that each level you climb. You've got to be a complete player. Let me ask this. Did your training change once you figured out what your role was? Yes. I just worked on what I needed to work on. So that was it. You, you know what I mean? In your life. I was in the most, I was in the best shape. In the, I was always like top five, top 10 in miles every season. Mm -hmm. So I was always in shape. I loved to run. So I would run all summer and train. I prided myself on never getting tired. I was never tired on the court. And I, you know how hard I played, but I, that's how hard I trained cardio wise in the summertime. So I knew what my role was. You know, I wasn't going to be out here dancing with the ball and crossing over getting these ISOs. I mean, when I play pickup ball, I would, you know, I would go out there and do what I wanted to do. But when I was training, I would, you know, I would run the lanes. I would slide three. I would work on my cuts. I would work on my pick and pops. Like, I worked on stuff that I knew. I'm playing with Chris. Chris is going to hit me on this popper. He's going to hit me on this. Like, I'm thinking the game. I remember one time, random Kobe story, we were flying to Spain. It was my first year with them. The whole, everyone is sleeping. And Kobe has his headphones on. And, I think he's over there writing raps because he's going crazy. He has his lights on. I'm like, oh, I'm about to go talk trash to him because this dude can't rap for nothing. So I go over there, and there's a white piece of paper, and he has like 50 courts on it. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm looking to see where you guys are going to be open at. He's like, I never look at the first defender. I give one eye to the second defender and one eye to that, that third help defender. <laughs> so I'm thinking, like, he's like, so I'm trying to see where you, you're, where LL's going to be open, where you're going to be open, where's Ron going to be open, where Steve Blake's going to be open, where Fish is going to be and he has all these little diagrams where the, the defense has shifted and where Are we're going to be open. Drew yeah, no, it's just a scribble, a scribble piece of paper with just a bunch of different, like 50 court. And this is probably, it's probably 4 a.m. Obviously, we're on messed up time, but no one else is awake. So I thought I was going to go over there and start talking trash to him. But that's when I was just like, I realized that this amazing monster on the court is like a beautiful mind, He's a sick mind, but he just loves the game. Um, that much. So I just, when, so I, I say all that to say, like, I work out to where I know, okay, if Kobe goes to the wing, 
in the back baseline. He's going to see me slide this way. He's mm -hmm. going to see me cutting this way. Yeah. So I would work on what, because like I said, you were someone that could stick me anywhere. You got to think I played with a ton of superstars from Dwight Howard to Kobe to CP to Steph to KD. So I'm always looking at their games, understanding like, okay, if they're making these moves and doing all this, where can I be open at? Okay, that's one of my work on in the summertime. <clears throat> Makes sense. They, and I, I think that's important for these kids to know. So when, when do you think kids should start specializing towards that role or a little bit more? These days, but I think you know probably before you get to varsity, mm. you know what I mean. You got to kind of know what your game is because I, I, I tell the boys like you know if you're going to play on this team, every time the coach puts you out there, he needs to know what he's going to get from you. And that's not just high school; that's all the way up that's to the right. NBA. Like coach has to trust you, so I know if I put, put Todd in the game, what's Todd going to do? Oh, he's turning the ball over a lot. Is he not playing defense? Is he, is he acting play to play? I'm not going to put Todd in in this situation. What is she going to do? Oh, she's going to do the right things about it. You know what I mean? So yeah. you, you have to, the coach has to trust you. Uh, you know, I just, again, being self-aware is really important. And I think by the time you hit varsity, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and, and there's always time to continue to grow. Yeah. Keep growing your game. I would keep working on everything when you work out. But um, understanding when the, the game is on, that the easiest thing to me is, you know, go up to your coach and say, coach, you know, what are you looking for from me? And a coach, if he's a good coach, he'll be able to tell you. I want you to do this, you do this, yeah. you do this. So then you keep in mind and, 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 and think about those things. And if you're playing really well, then you might want to try something that you, I, I've been working on this. He didn't, he didn't name this that he wanted me to do it, but if, you know, if I'm confident enough to knock it down, it could work. So it's really not as complicated as people think it is, you know, especially if you have someone who knows the game and can communicate. You know, like I used to, when I used to go to a new team, I'm like, coach, what are you looking for? They would all pretty much tell me the same thing. I'd go out there and do it. Cool, all right. Simple enough. There's the there's the blueprint. Nah, yeah, that's yeah, and that's the coach who is coaching you, not your homie, right. not your no. your parent who wants you to do it, it's not your trainer who's no. trying to tell you that right. you know the coach is holding you back. Prove what you can do, and then continue to show more. Yeah. and I, that that's where your opportunity yeah. comes. Well, very rarely, I mean, it happens. But if you're not playing, there's a reason why. Like the coach's not hating on you. Like he doesn't gain nothing from hating on like, you. Like you're just yeah, you're, you're not doing something that he sees is valuable to the team. So like I said, you got to be sometimes kids got to be real with themselves. And then, like you said, that whole list of things you list: family, coaches, trainers. They you know they also have to be real with you. So it's just an important and I and I think that's something I pride my kids on. Obviously, you can't tell everyone stuff the same way. So mm -hmm. the delivery is very important. But I'm very real on what they have to work on and, and what I think is BS and what I feel will help them get to the next level. Yeah. No, I, I rarely let other people when I'm training say something in the gym, whether they play in the league or not. When Matt comes in, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> and it's like, y'all getting coached by Matt Barnes at this point. And it's like, not a ton, I'm too. It's just, like I said, because I love for the kids to hear another voice. So I, it's mm -hmm. not always me, but I feel like if there's something technique-wise or something yeah. that, that that I just feel like, hey, I think this will help that. It's a compliment to what that's we're you're adding to the environment at all moments. And I think that's important. It's not... And you're teaching all the kids. You're not mm -hmm. just talking to your boys. No. It's like, yo, y'all not getting low. Mm -hmm. I remember it was it was during it was I think it was during COVID or mm -hmm. post COVID, right? Mm -hmm. When and you came through to the gym and he was like, yo, what y'all doing? Y'all not getting low. And it's a detail that I'm not looking at right now, right? Yes, mm -hmm. I coach it. We all know get low, but mm -hmm. hey, Matt caught it. And he told it in a way where hey, we didn't have that problem anymore. Mm -hmm. Almost all year probably because of that other voice. And I think it always leads to this too because. You, I think your circle is a little bit different because of where you've been with this game. Mm -hmm. um, I always talk to the players about having that inner circle. Who are you actually listening to? Who actually 
knows what they're talking about because when the better and better you get, the more and more influencers um, come in and talk to you. So how do you form that inner circle and tell the boys to, you know, respect everybody for mm -hmm. sure, but yo, we ain't, mm -hmm. we're not really hearing that. Well, I mean, I was someone who would listen to, because it, it, it's hard to tell, especially when you get to the league, but even early on, like, you got to hear everyone to know if they know what they're talking about or not. You know what I mean? Like I said, you, it's funny the story you told me because I never knew, but the boys question you like, why is this and why is that? And you were able to tell them and I bet you they never question you again. Ever. You know what I mean? So it's just like, you got to hear everything. And, and sometimes you're going to hear a lot of noise, but sometimes someone's going to leave you some stuff like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And they might not even be like tight, tight in your circle, but you just know when you see them, like they're speaking truth. And that's how I try to drop game to people. You know what I mean? Like I said, these AU tournaments are nuts. So I'm taking pictures left and right, but when I get a chance to watch another game or see a kid or play somebody and I'll just drop something to him like, bro, it's so big. Why do you keep bringing it down here and let my whole team take it from you? Keep it here. If they, if they run into your elbow, that's my team's fault. Go right back. You know, so I, I would like to just give them stuff that I feel like is going to help them. And does it mean I'm in their inner circle? No. So to answer your question, it's just like, you got to decipher who is and who isn't. You know, obviously I help the boys with stuff and, but you know, I love having other people I can trust. Like I would never question anything you say. I would never question anything Corey or Chris say because I know it's coming from a genuine place and it's, it's for the betterment of the boys. So it's just mm -hmm. like I put them around people that I trust that. Same thing with Derek. Everyone thinks me and Derek hate each other. Like me and Derek are fine. We had a conversation like, oh, that's a five time champ. So you better listen to everything he has to say. You know what I mean? So right. to me, just getting, and again, it's about listening and being sponges and understanding, okay, I can use that, or okay, that went in this year and out the other year. So, yeah. No, man, I always respect and honor that about <clears throat> you as well. Like, you know, we deal with all types of families in core. The cohesion mm -hmm. of you guys around those boys is ridiculous. They feel supported. They yeah. don't, you don't see the normal trauma and stress that you see when a family you know, we went through some stuff, up. boy. Right, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But I, I think early on, you know, it's just like I said, you know, and, and their mom and I are finally in a good place. Derek and I, you know, had our issue. And, and after we had our issue, we talked the following summer. And, you know, I explained my side. He explained his side. But I'm going to ask him this. Like, when we were done, I'm just like, hey, this is why I'm still playing. Like, yo, you're going to be around my kids more than I am. So you need mm -hmm. to discipline them, show them how to be men, this, this, and that. And that side of the conversation never to be had again because the boys loved him. And got where discussed. did that come from from you? Because you said you grew up in a them. pretty, pretty traumatic yeah, environment. No, so where did that, that, I guess that wisdom come from for you to know to stay away from all these things that yeah. you were growing up around? Where did that influence come from to kind of... Maybe just a, just self. Like I'm a deep thinker. You know, like that's why I like to use cannabis because I, like it really just opens my thoughts. And, 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 and through that whole process, like you said, if you would look at the tabloids and the drama people even probably saw or heard, you would think like, this has to be a choice because it's going to be this. But, you know, credit to her and I, like we never had it around them first and foremost. And they were really young when it happened. But outside of that, like I said, like to me, that's why it had to, because the boys were just like, you know, dad, we love Derek. Like, that's dope. And that was one of the main reasons why. Like I was just mm -hmm. like, this is not about me. It's not about my ex-wife. It's not really even about him. It's about us as a unit raising those two young men. You know what I mean? So like I said, I empowered him very early on because I, I, I'm in a blended family now. You know what I mean? So I know sometimes it's hard to, how do you discipline? How do you say this? How can you, and I'm a free cusser. I think I've only <laughs> almost said one cuss word on it, but I'm, a, so when I say go do something with a cuss word on it, it's not because I'm mad at you. That's just kind of how I speak. But my kids know that, you know what I yeah. mean? But dealing That's with other kids, you know, too, yeah, yeah so. so that, you know, dealing with other kids, so I just wanted Derek to know that I had, you know, he has my support and, and my confidence in them. They're like, yo, as a team, we got to raise 
these kids. So to get back to your you know question, it was, I mean, your answer is just like it's not, it wasn't about me. You know, after we gave, we had to do it. Now, okay, we got that out the way. We explained our sides. You guys are happy. I'm happy. We got to make sure that they're happy and they understand and and, and they have you know a, a, a childhood to remember because you remember everything growing up. Like I, I remember how messed up my childhood was. So that's what I didn't want for them. So. Uh, you speak. I, I think I think I know the answer to this, but I love to get some clarity. So you know, building through that in your life, the trauma, everything that you grew up with. Um, do you now mental health for these athletes huge, now? How huge. important that is. What's was there something else that helped you get through besides your own fortitude? You know, uh, your medicinal uses mm-hmm. that helped you get mm-hmm. through it. Is there was there counseling? Yeah, absolutely. Or what, Absolutely. Okay. Counseling is huge. And I, and I think, you know, especially, you know, in the black community, first of all, we're, we're not taught. I would even say minorities in general, like not just because mm-hmm. we, we most of us grow up different, you know, yeah. than maybe some of our, you know, our, our friends. And, and it, so it's it was always, you know, either he's crazy or <laughs> shut up and hide your tears. You know, it, it, it wasn't manly. It wasn't something in our community we talked about. But I, you know, I, I think I credit NBA players in particular for coming out and say like, hey, man, like I'm not OK. Because a lot of us are not, we have so much PTSD from the way we grew up. It's unbelievable. And throwing money at it 20 years later doesn't make it go away. You know what I mean? So it's just like you see these kids acting out and saw me acting out when I was a youngster. It's just like, you know, at some point, you know, you need some help. And I'm glad that it's a topic of conversation now because people don't have to hide it as much. But for me, you know, early 2000s, we didn't talk about PTSD. Uh You know what I mean? So now... I'm 43 and, you know, I'm in two different types of counseling because, you know, understanding that, you know, some of my moods and actions and the way I view things are based on not how it should be. You know what I mean? Like I grew I, you know, I grew up rough. I grew up, you know, I saw some stuff I shouldn't have saw at an early age and learned things. So it's almost kind of like deprogramming, understanding like, okay, I need to get myself better because I need to be the best me to be the best partner to my fiance, to the best dad to my kids, to the best business partner, to the best coach. So, you know, being able to look at yourself, I always pride myself on, you know, I could look in, I'm not perfect, but I could look in the mirror and see my soul because it's pure. You know, if I mess up, I mess up. I'll be the first one to tell you, you know, and I've done it on a huge scale on ESPN. Hey, I've messed up or the email you don't go like, Hey, I spoke before I had the information. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people let that slide, you know, and then a lot of people, now you're like, no, I was wrong. Right. I'm okay with being wrong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm next time I'm, I learn from that, let me find more information. Probably say <laughs> something like that. But, you know, just kind of being transparent, being real, uh, you know, having your heart in the right place. And then obviously counseling is, is huge because most of us grow up tough. And the, and the goal is to, if you're fortunate enough to make it, not to have your kids grow up the same way. You know what I mean? That's so that was my goal. And, you know, I'm in counseling, been doing counseling for a while, but I definitely, if it's, you know, because especially for me, it's hard because it's, I can't just tell my business to my homies, right. you know what I mean? Because I'm in the spotlight and I've been in the spotlight for a long time and in the spotlight for a lot of different reasons, you know what I mean? So it's just like, you know, some people are in a position where they can't just tell somebody because it's, there's too much on the line and, mm-hmm. you know, being able to find yourself a counselor. And, and the one thing I'll say is my fiance, she found, because I went in, this is not, I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way, but I just felt like a, an older man or older woman that is definitely not necessarily my ethnicity or been down the path I've been down or seen the racism I've seen like and maybe this is shallow and maybe I need to learn and grow on this but the way I looked at it was like I stayed away from it early on because I was like there's no way that person can relate to me 
Like they mm -hmm. can give me some, yeah. some stuff that they studied in school and learned, but you don't know what it's like to be biracial. You don't know what it's like to be violent. High school, I'm a first day and see your parents give you drugs and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, I really credit my fiance for finding me someone that I really feel like I can build my life and, and not have to hold anything back. And, and, and some ugly truths come out, you know what I mean? Especially when you can try to better yourself, but you know, like, obviously we know the right and wrong, but you know, the mental capacity and the strength to do what's right, you know, sometimes. So when you're really feeling and having those moments, you, when it comes out of your mouth, like, oh, I believe I did that, you know what I mean? So it's just, again, really trying to be self-aware, always trying to improve. Uh, in all aspects of life. And I think when I'm able to do that, I'm able to be the best me for everyone else because I'm such a provider for so many people. Absolutely. I think I always have this, I don't want to call it a fear, like this apprehension about going to counseling is like they dig into your past. And like I'm a, one of those people like, I like progressing, moving forward, mm -hmm. looking forward, like whatever happened in the past, I keep it pushing. I have a right. very light heart. I forgive easy. I can keep it pushing. And me and my wife, we recently took this marriage course and it was probably the best counseling I've ever had inside this course where they mm. look at your childhood traumas, but they gave purpose in it to show you why are we going back? This is your love style. Mm. This is how you accept and receive love because of all these things you went through. And yeah. this is why you respond to your spouse a certain way. This is how you respond to your kids a certain way. And it was the most deep I've ever looked at my life that it made me go get a counselor. And mm -hmm. the counselor told me, he's like, yeah, this is a good session. You probably don't need this because I fully understood just from mm -hmm. that class of, hey, I grew up this way. Yep. This is why I respond like this. And it taught me, okay, this is my why my wife responds yep. to this. Now I know how to treat her a little different mm -hmm. because of her experience. And then even more importantly, make sure my kids have this embedded early on of love and mm -hmm. comfort and when a traumatic event happens, just acknowledge it. All mm -hmm. you gotta do is acknowledge it most of the time. Yeah. And people can feel, oh, I'm gonna be okay. It's that non-acknowledgement. If something is wrong, because, you know, I'm going to give you something to cry about type mm -hmm. stuff, just because it don't hurt your emotions don't mean right. it doesn't hurt mine. Yeah. And then I translate that even into basketball to the kids who, you know, <laughs> man, through these years, you know, it's been eight years now, probably 400 kids dealt with a lot of oh, I'm sure. trauma mm -hmm. from middle school kids. And it's like, man, what are you guys going through? But I had to connect to where they're at. Okay, this person received love this way. So they're mm -hmm. seeking out the attention. So they're acting out. Let me just give them attention in a mm -hmm. positive way. Right. And then their behavior changes almost Instantly, immediately. Right. No. Immediately. And that's an art, too, to be able to read and understand uh, how people accept things and how can you talk. And how, I remember Magic Johnson said, you know, to, to be a leader, you have to understand first and foremost, you can't talk to everybody the same way. Yeah. And I think that's just in life. Parent. Yeah. CEO, whatever, mm -hmm. you care about the people you're working with, you can't talk to everyone the same way, and it's your job to find out how, how, how is my delivery to Todd the most effective? How is he going to soak in as much as I say? How are the twins going to soak in as much as I say? Like, you have to understand that I can't talk to Carter and Isaiah the same. Right. You know what I mean? I just can't. You know, I, overall I will, but when I'm trying to get through to him, I talk to him completely differently. Yeah. No, that's, that's real, man. They are so, when you get to, it's always interesting. So we had, six sets of twins in core this year six wow. and once you start to realize that man they're literally two totally different humans mm -hmm. they have the same face right and and you get to see just they're the same but different mm -hmm. and finding that connection with each of them uh to the other man they they did start looking alike for two months this year nah, mess me up because well, isaiah, isaiah was chubby for a little bit yeah and he slimmed down and you know like he was by 1.20 pounds heavier now he's only like four pounds heavier than Carter. So like mm -hmm. he slimmed and Carter's got a little bigger. So when they're not like, I mix them up still if they're not by each other. 
Like, yeah, you'll be getting get out of so the shower or something. Yo, I'm not Carter, bro. Yeah. Like, yo, nah. man. My, like, don't Todd, it's Coach Todd. It's been too long. You nah. should know. Like, don't feel bad. I mean, I've been with them since day one, and I still confuse them. So, yeah, don't feel bad about that. Yo. Uh, moving on. So, it just happened. NBA Finals. Yeah. Denver Nuggets got their first championship. Um, you talk about knowing your role. Ooh, I think that's the definition key. of that team. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on them as a team this year and a team moving forward? Proud of them, man. I, and, and I think, although people no one wants to see them play in the finals, it was the most watched finals in the last five years, and that's saying a lot. Because um, they play good basketball. They play the right way. Um, they have two selfless superstars that can shine without stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. And then they're role players. Uh, one in particular is Aaron Gordon. I got yeah, a chance yeah, to meet yeah. Aaron Gordon at like 15. And I was playing in the San Francisco Pro-Am, and they put this young little scrawny kid that was dunking. I'm like, who is this kid? <laughs> and he was like my little guy. And I was throwing him lobs and everything and from half court. Like, yo, you're 15. So just kind of, you know, befriended him early, got a chance to meet his family and seen his journey. And, and you speak about roles. He was in Orlando scoring 20, 22 points a game. Right. And he goes to Denver and he's a super role player. And I think in the playoffs is where he found yep. his work and why now he's going to be one of the, I mean, obviously he's locked in for another two years, but one of the most sought after free agents now because he's 6'10 and he plays his role. Mm-hmm. Um, them, KCP, Bruce Brown, Michael Porter Jr., like their stars were stars, but they had games where their their role players stepped up yeah. and did what they needed to do to get them across the line. And then Mike Malone, everyone talks about how great Spo is, and he is one of the greatest coaches we've seen. But Mike Malone is a beautiful, brilliant basketball mind and, yeah. and knew the buttons to press on his team and, and knew how to keep his team together and focused. So, again, a lot of storylines with Denver. Very happy for them. Jokic is incredible. Um, but moving forward, you know, this is the, and it's funny because we were on a show yesterday on, on my show, What's Burning with Rachel Nichols and, and DeMarcus Cousins. And DeMarcus made a great point that for the last 10 years, let's say everyone has built rosters to beat the Warriors. We need shooting. We need this. We need that. Yeah. Teams are going to start building rosters. How do you slow down a team with a seven-foot center that can do everything, one of the best guards in the league, and role players that are all six six eight to right. six ten, and they lock up and Breeze and they play so now this is the new prototype and he made a great point I, I and i agree like it's going to shift now denver's going to have this window because they have their core five sewed up for the next two years and i feel like and anytime you have your core locked down in free agency it makes it a lot easier because yeah. you don't have to make any drastic moves you have to just get strategic parts that can fit yeah. to these places so um Love what Denver did. Happy for them. And I think they have a nice two, three, maybe four-year window now of, you know, their basketball, and it's going to be their championship to lose. How do you stop Jokic? Can't. Okay. I was about to say, man, you, say, you want to scheme and try to figure Can't. that out. You, you it's crazy, out. you know, because, I mean, you'll see, like, in, in games in the playoffs where he didn't score in the first quarter and he still ends up at 30, 16, and 10. Crazy, like, right. he does whatever is needed, and he scores so effortlessly. You know what I mean? From stretching the floor to – his one-legged shots to his floaters to his offensive rebounds. Like, he's just such a a weapon that you can't stop him. You know, and then, like, you know, Miami's game plan partway through, oh, let's slow down Jamal Murray, and that worked for a game. And they saw that's hard to do, too, but you're right. definitely not going to slow down Jokic. So you just got to outscore him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you got to get, get some buckets yeah. and yeah, stop lot, everybody. A lot else. of bucket stop getters. all the role players from yeah. I, you just saw so many duck. Like Ag was doing some basic fundamental basketball. He's doing ducking, small post ups, yeah. getting short corners, cutting at the right yeah. time, making them pay for switches. Him. Yes, yeah. every single time mm-hmm. it was just that his IQ. You saw his IQ yep. just grow and grow throughout mm-hmm. the year, throughout the series, uh, throughout the I want to say the whole playoffs yeah. and the adjustments that coach made. 
once they lost the game, they weren't going to lose again. It, no. was, it was it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they want to do that? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Only losing, what, one game every series pretty much? And they yeah. swept and sweeping the mm-hmm. Lakers? Like, man, that's that was impressive yeah. uh, all the way Good around. team. Good team. Yeah. I'm excited to see the the free agency cook Ooh, up. We got some Bradley Bill news that he's, you know, they're trying to get him out of Washington. They're complete reset there. Chris Paul sounds like he's going to, or he had bought, did he buy out or going to something yeah, like that? Things are coming. Um, you know, the Harden leaving Philly, possibly. Dame. Van Fleet, Dame. So it's going to be a lot of movement. Zion. Yeah, Zion. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, no, I'm talking about he might, he might get moved. They're talking about their potential to, to, to trade him. So there's okay. a lot of, mm-hmm. I think this would continue to make the NBA the biggest growing sport and why it's so global now is because not only do you get, you know, good seasons and, and champions but it's like a reality show yeah, in the, the off drama. season yeah like the drama <laughs> of the off season like it's a you know it's a it's a 365 reality show you get basketball during the season and in the summer like what superstars every summer superstar moves yeah what do we even mention Kyrie where's Kyrie gonna end up you know what I mean so there's so much movement in the summertime that it's almost unfair because we could be in the midst of baseball and in and, and other sports but if a, a big player gets moved like that's headlines for the next two or three days so it's just like yeah. basketball is heavy uh, this is a fun time. We just got a great finals, and now you know the, the off season, the, the reality yeah, show will start, and, and, and to see where everybody lands. You, you play two K at all? I don't play video games no more. I wish I did. Man. I was such a video game head, but no, it's all. So I used to hop on my GM mode on two K mode. Uh-huh. That's that's my thing. Like I win dynasty championships with with players and putting teams together, and so free agency is like my season. Like of course mm-hmm. I watch the get the the games, but yeah. free agency is what it's about. That's fun. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a segment that we like to call My Rushmore. Mm. All right. My Rushmore. Your four. Mm. Who's gonna be on your Rushmore? Top players all time. I gotta ask you top players of all time, because you're a basketball mind guru at this. So four? Only four. Okay. Not in order, but your top four. Who's whose face is gonna be on that rush? I'm gonna give it to you in order too. Okay. MJ is one. Whoa. Kobe is two. Whoa. LeBron is three. And Shaq at four. Gosh, Shaq at four. Okay, I have to ask, what, what, why do you have Jordan above Kobe and LeBron and Shaq for that reason? Why, why, why is he your number one? I just think Mike was a different beast. I would say Kobe, to me, in my opinion, and people might go crazy, I think Kobe was more skilled than Mike. I but I think, you know, obviously Mike was the prototype that everyone wanted. Everyone wanted to be like Mike, you know what I mean? So Kobe was the one that was able to take that to a 2.0 from a standpoint of just a skill level. But Mike was... Dog. I mean, not only was he durable, and you know, once he you know, any bad injuries, but he's durable. He would play 82 games. He would win Defensive Player of the Year, MVP, and win the. You know, he just did crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy things in an era where they really beat you up. Like he got beat up and, <laughs> and had to change his style of play because they were beating him up, and he had to get in the weight room. So, uh, love Mike. Uh, I think Mike is one. Kobe. I think Kobe is number two. I think he was the closest. Thing to Mike uh, from a player standpoint, but like I said, I think he took his skill level because the game obviously had evolved, mm-hmm. um, you know, since when, when, you know once Kobe came around. So I think he took his skill level to the next. I think Kobe is the most skilled player we've ever seen. Um, his number two, his tenacity, his will to win, uh, his obsessiveness of being great. He always used to tell me, he's like, I need one more. Mm-hmm. But you need one more. He's number six. So I can sit at the same table as MJ. Like that was always his drive. Always go. I need one more. So. Kobe was a monster, and 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 I'm I'm old school from a standpoint of like I'm a live and die with our best player. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna let that ride. 
and that leads me into number three. Uh, you know, LeBron, I think sometimes LeBron is criticized because he is probably that has the biggest IQ in, in, in the game we've ever seen and the most selfless superstar we've ever seen. And instead of jacking up a shot like Kobe and MJ may do, LeBron might find his teammate. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes at the end of the game, he's criticized. Oh, no, we want you to take that shot, not knowing that LeBron has made the most clutch shots in NBA history and the most game winners, if I'm not mistaken. But I put him three. Um... And that's not a knock. I just I think he's great. Obviously, the the all time leading scorer, um, his IQ, his ability to carry teams, um, is something like we haven't seen in his prime. He was carrying teams to the <laughs> right. finals. Obviously, there, you know he had some good players, but you know for the most part, early in his early days, he was carrying teams. Um, and his greatness and and what I love about Braun too is to me he's the greatest on it on the court and off the court superstar we've ever seen with the way he gives back and, you know, has been able to keep his rep clean and mm -hmm. brought his homies along and they're all successful in their own way and, and, and respectable businesses now. So, Braun is three and then Shaq, um, the most dominating player I think we've ever seen. And, and, and obviously I, didn't, I don't get a time to watch a ton of Wilt tape and right, Wilt comes right. to mind, but I say Shaq because Shaq played in an era of centers where when I first came in the league, you know, it was coming towards the end, but it was, you know, you used to have to throw the ball down low. Right. Touch before you shot a shot at three. That's the era that I grew up in. And to me, Shaq was the most physically dominating guy we've ever seen from the standpoint of size and agility and speed and strength. Like, What were your rules guarding Shaq? Don't get your teeth knocked out. <laughs> like, for real, like, because I, you know, I was a guard, so that's back when you had to guard your positional, so we would send a double. And Shaq's favorite move was coming to the middle so you, most of the time you had to double from the middle too. So just mm. going to the double team and make sure he doesn't bust your whole mouth open because he didn't care. You know what I mean? That's the one thing. I got a chance to play with the older Shaq, uh, but he still didn't care. Like, he, he was, George Cookin, just let him come to the basket. I'll take his ass out. All right, bro. Got you. I'm not going to question you. You know what I mean? So uh, Shaq was great. Um, so, yeah, I think those four. And obviously leaving a lot of great people out and some older players, but I, I think those four right there can do it all. This is my, my first time probably saying this out loud in a non, you know, I like to play spades with my friends and we talk about this kind of stuff. Top four all time. I have to do it in order since you did, I guess. So I'm going LeBron one. Oh, okay. How old are you? Um, I'm 36, 37, okay. 37 now. Okay. Yeah, 37. Good. LeBron one. There's some there's some bias to it, and I'll explain. Yeah, we're gonna, two, we're gonna hear your argument. Two, I got Mike. Okay. Three, Kobe. Okay. Now this fourth one is is really really rough because Shaq should be there, but also my understanding of the game has Steph Curry there now. Ooh. Has Steph Curry? There. I'm not at that at all. So, Bron number one, I think because he is such a selfless teammate in basketball, the mm -hmm. team game. Right. And I understand burst we're trying most like you said, you had a reason. Jordan's the mm -hmm. the best, Kobe's mm -hmm. skill, LeBron's mm -hmm. the you know, mm -hmm. IQ and putting mm -hmm. it together. But I think LeBron took what he had the he had the two of the other goats in front of him who he got to learn from. Mm -hmm. And he got the opportunity to see Jordan's athleticism and what that does, and he still dominated to this day with his athleticism. He's gonna see Kobe's skill mm -hmm. and how uh, I've heard those Kobe stories where he's writing plays down. LeBron has a recall memory. Oh, yeah, like an elephant. They say it's, elephants it's have like, amazing memories. He remembers everything, where you were, where somebody mm -hmm. was during a game, and he could just recall it on awesome. point. Awesome. 
I just think that IQ and um, he's not done, I think is the other part, right? We saw quite a few years. Kobe had 17, 18. What was it? 20 years. 20? Oh, he got the mm-hmm. 20? Okay, mm-hmm. so LeBron is in his 20th. Yeah. And we still going. But I even say with LeBron, I mean, LeBron, no one's had a, a, a prime like LeBron, and no one has had this level of play for this long. Yes. You know, Kobe tried to make that ring. You saw his body broke down right in front of us. LeBron mm-hmm. is a high school kid that, that, that had the similar journeys that Kobe did. And the fact that his body is still being able yeah. to do what he's doing at this age is impressive. Yeah, being able to invest into that. So that's where Brown is. Mm-hmm. I have Jordan over Kobe. I was, I was a, I talk about this a lot. I was a Kobe hater for a while when, uh, <laughs> when he, I don't know. I think it was just his, his cockiness, his confidence. Mm-hmm. But I understand why now. Now that I'm older and I'm not dumb, I understand who he is. <laughs> I was just dumb then. And uh, so I have, I have Jordan because, like you said, everybody wanted to be Jordan. He made me him AI. Vince Carter made me fall in love with the game mm-hmm. when I started playing. I started playing until I was 11. I was mm-hmm. kind of late into the game um, as far as my age-wise. And so, and this Jordan's, um, he was relentless, man. That I don't, that's the word that I think, he's just relentless on the mm-hmm. court. I've never seen him jog. Mm-mm. I don't think I've ever seen him not play defense. Not even in practice. It's, that is like, he's a dog. Mm-hmm. And then Kobe, just because everything he is, the skill, the IQ, the leadership, the personal development that you see in him, I think he's the first player where you're like, oh man, he is like literally more than a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Um, and the impact that he created, you know, uh, just just on us forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we, we all gonna know. And I got Curry. Shaq is awesome. Shaq didn't change the game. He, he, he was the best at his game. Steph mm-hmm. changed the game with his shooting ability. Um, the the teams that he's had and like just believing in himself and man, uh, the, his ability to shoot and his handle and his creativity, but it's all within the scheme and technique of basketball. Yep. It's like, yo, how do you become that creative? You saw it a little mm-hmm. with Steve Nash. Mm-hmm. I think Steve Nash is the beginning of that point guard. Even if we go back to uh, Abdul Rahim right mm-hmm. back in the day, like. Yo, there was some of that, but mm-hmm. the way Steph do it and yeah. the underratedness of the rest of his game, I think people sleep on the defense. People sleep on his passing ability. He's just, nah, mm-hmm. he's just that good that he can shoot that every time. That's an open shot to him because he works on it. He changed the game on all levels, though. I mean, you're, you're a coach, like, from the beginning, like, you used to, you remember when back in the day, get warmed up in the paint, get your feel. Kids mm-hmm. are putting their shoes on and shooting from half court to get warmed up, and that's the <laughs> Steph Curry effect. Yeah. So, I, I, to me, it's, can't argue with any of those guys. Yeah. By any means. I mean, they're all great in their own ways. And it's so hard to compare eras and mm-hmm. what they played against and, and the style of play. That's why, like, you know, all these offensive records are going to be broken because of the style of play. Right. The game is like, imagine if Reggie Miller got 12 looks every game that we play. Ray right. Allen got 12 looks. You know, you know, Steph and these guys are shooting eight to 12 threes a game. Like, Reggie and those guys probably shot two or three, four in a game. You know right. what I mean? So just and like the game is, right, the game is. <laughs> game is always evolving and, and that's what's what's beautiful about it so yeah i mean i, I like your top four yeah mm-hmm. yeah you mentioned his lebron's body is still mm-hmm. growing mm-hmm. do you think that's due to him like technology developing because now lebron has more access yeah versus do you think that kobe would have had that yeah I do. I, I do think that technology is, is, is helping everybody, but I think it's also on the player to go and get it done. You know what I mean? Go, you got to, 
stress the importance of taking care of your body, especially someone at his level. I mean, there's so many miles. You only get so many miles on your body. You know what I mean? And I think LeBron is way past the, the, the meter because of technology and his ability and his want to. Like, hey, I got to protect this. You know what I mean? And for the first time, I could say, like, this year we've seen, like, sad because he just looks a little bit older. Like, he can't. We're accustomed. You know, he went on runs during the playoffs for, you know, for a quarter or a half. But we didn't see those full games anymore. Like, yeah. It's starting to get on. Because it's just, at the you know, Mother Nature catches everybody. And like I said, with that said, he's still, what did he average, 28 a game? Right. You know, which you would just <laughs> see as, 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 exactly as a basketball fan. You're like, you know, the first kind of, he is human. We're starting to see a little bit of human in LeBron. And I just hope people like you see Steph and, you know, LeBron, obviously, and KD, like these guys are coming. They're on the backside of their career. And I just, mm-hmm. people, I, I feel like we live in such a society where we want to criticize and hate and disrespect. Right. And I just hope people appreciate what you've been able right. to see the last 20, maybe 21 years. You know, starting to see Steph is 13, 14 years ago, Katie, you know, similar things like just we it's such a negative energy space that I, I hate it because I'm in the space too. But I just hope that people like slow down and think like, okay, I might say some dumb, hateful stuff, but I appreciate LeBron James and Steph Curry and what Kobe did. And these guys, you know, they're 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 artists in their own way and they've been able to entertain us for a long time. So mm-hmm. we'll never see players like them again. Would you rather now, bring on another question you, as you bring that up. Would you rather leave on top or transition? Like, should LeBron, like, hey, I can be a role player now. Take, let me come off the bench and run the nah, second. Nah, I don't or know if you... I can see him doing that. <laughs> I know, I don't either. It's tough because, you know, he's able to write his own script, you know, but I just feel like in this day and age, like what I just talked to, you can't age gracefully no more. Like, oh, yeah. all these sports shows gonna are going to start dogging them and disrespecting them and hate that stuff, you know what I mean? Because he should be able to go off in the sunset however he feels. If he wanted to transition into the sixth or seventh man, he should be able to. But unfortunately, I think sports media wouldn't allow that. They would disrespect and say mean, nasty things, and, and it would just make it unpleasant, I think, for him. So, um, you know, obviously my advice is do you, but, you know, strategically thinking, because I am in that space, like, you know, he has to go out the way, yeah. similar Happy to how he came in, yeah, him. like, I don't think we'll see LeBron averaging 12 points. In it. Like it, it would be bad because the media would just be all over him. They right. wouldn't lie. He should be able to. He should be able to play till I can't. You know, Kareem played forever. You know what I mean? And they, and they gave him that respect. But we just live in a different time now where I feel like you can't age gracefully, especially from, you know, arguably the best player, one of the best players ever. I think Bill Russell had the recipe. He went from playing straight into coaching mm-hmm. and just kept his dynasty going. That's right. a lot, though, because, you know, coaches, it takes more time to coach than it does to play. You know what I mean? And, you know, I had a few opportunities. I was thankful enough to have a few opportunities where I could have went on, you know, a, a coaching staff or two uh, coming out. But I was just thinking, like, so like That's the grind, the grind. The grind. And, and the hardest part about basketball for me was having kids and always having to travel towards the end. So just coaches is, you know, even when we go practice and we're done for the day, coaches are film and this, this and that. So coaching is a lot, man. So, yeah, Bill Russell did it, but that's a lot because basketball as a player is so time consuming. Yeah. No, absolutely. All right, we're going to our next segment called Where Were You When? Ooh. Okay, we're hopping in our DeLorean, going back in time. Um, we're going to go to a moment I know uh, sits on all of our hearts. And um, I think because of your personal relationship with Kobe, I think it's cool to, um, you know, understand what the impact and what you felt, mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, the day he passed away. <laughs> and, um, you know, where were you? What was the emotion like and the overall impact on your life? Um, I was with the boys' AU team in the Bay. 
had a house at the time up there because I had just finished uh, playing not too long before that. So we were up there for a tournament. And it was championship Sunday tournament, ready to play the tournament. And the dads are downstairs on the balcony hanging out talking. And one of the dads got a text message. Hope you die. Go play with your basketball. Go back to talking. It's like, I was froze. Talking and consoling, and can't believe it, but I, I'm frozen. Yeah. And then, obviously, with the relationship that the twins have with them, like three years old on, and it, but earlier Kobe had literally sent his whole team. It was crazy. We all had, I had the picture. Like everyone had their Kobe's on. He had just sent the team Kobe's like two weeks before. Yeah. Um, he passed by, went up, and the boys were up in the playroom all the way upstairs. And I went, I told them what happened, and um, just you know, started crying. We pulled up everyone else. Play with heavy hearts, man. It was it didn't seem real, and then to find out, you know, he, he crashed on the way to Sports Academy or Mambo Academy you know, for a tournament, and you know, with the roof and fog and, and how it all went down. You know, I've known Cole for a long time. You know, I had a chance to meet him back day when I first came in. You know, we had a, some overtime, really solid bond. But you know, once we started coming, we became teammates. We became brothers. Like we could watch the game. Like we talked to twins playing. It's when they were. Terrible basketball to watch, but Kobe would come like, "What do we play at nine? What time you play? We played eleven. We coach the game, so Kobe would come. There's video of him nine o'clock in the morning, watching the game two hours before he's coaching his daughter. Like he was just always there and supportive. And, you know, so I, I was really kind of worried how the boys were going to take it because he's mm-hmm. an instrumental part in their basketball lives and development. But yeah, just super sad, you know, because I grew up with his sister Shea and, and no Vanessa and, and knew all the girls. I was always accustomed to seeing him. He coached out in Orange County. He coached, I coached. Like every other weekend, we see each other, talk and catch up. And did his last interview on my show. So it was just a surreal moment that I think obviously broke the hearts of a lot of people. But I, you, know, you get a chance to know Kobe when he lets that wall down. It's just like he's a superhero. And superheroes aren't supposed to die. So I just realized you know, what he did for that team as well. It was hard for a, a lot of people. Now back to sharing that. Yeah. And then uh, our next moment, we're going to go back to 2007, 2008. Mm. 2006, 2007, I think. 2006, 2007. Yeah. The We Believe Warriors. Yeah, man. What a time to be alive, right? <laughs> AC being the first seed, the first time in. Yeah, in a seven, seven game series seven game in NBA series. history. Um, yeah. That was crazy, man. That was a crazy season because I was at the crossroads in my career at that point. You know, I would. I played early in the, in the previous two years. I got traded to Philly with Webb and didn't get a chance to play. So I was almost like, hey, is it time to go play football? My agent had lined up like seven or eight NFL teams that were going to give me an open or a, a open tryout. Um, and my college teammate, Baron Davis, hit me up like, hey, where are you? Are you in SAC? I'm like, yeah, I'm in SAC. He's like, we're going to scrimmage at the facility today if you want to come down. And Oakland was like two hours away. So I hopped in the car, went down there, played well uh, with no – contractor no nothing in mind um, you know and little did I know that Don Nelson was watching the whole time it was a coach mm-hmm. at that time and came around put his arm around me after like son where are you going to camp like, I don't know he's like well we have 18 players you know we have all contracts filled and we invited some campees but if you go out there and play like that I can't guarantee you're going to make the team but I'll give you a chance to that was all I needed went out there 
made that team. Fast forward, played so well, they traded some key pieces away to get more pieces in. And then the pieces that came in were Steven Jackson, who's obviously my co-host now, and All Smoke and Al Harrington. And, uh, man, we just made a, a run at All-Star break, uh, excuse me, at trade deadline. Uh, we came out and struggled at the beginning, but then we went on like a 17-5 and five run to finish the season. And it came down to us and the Clippers. If they won, they were in. Um, they lost at home, and we had to go into Portland and beat Portland, and we did, and we made the playoffs. And um, obviously for the Golden State fans, some of the best fans in the world, they were waiting for that opportunity. And we felt really comfortable because Nelly was the head coach that helped draft Dirk, kind of helped put Dirk on the map and start developing Dirk. So this was a season that Dallas won 67 games. Dirk was the MVP. Like, they were supposed to get a championship that year. But our coach was so confident on, what we're going to do and he put Steven Jackson and myself on dirt for the first time because dirt was such a mismatch dirt is nearly seven feet he's strong so if you put a big on him he's going to cook him if you mm. put someone that's too small on him uh he's too strong for him yeah. so we had a game plan an amazing game plan of just making him work catch it out far and if he put the ball down and turned his back double team him so we had dirt and shambles and you know that led to man us making uh, NBA history that year so it was a you know, blast and it's crazy I was fortunate enough to go back 10 years later and win a championship with that team but when I got back to that team players coaches media fans like everyone won like seemed like we we're legendary on and off the court we went yeah. hard on and off the court I think um, they still sell that shirt yeah they do new shirt. Like, and then <laughs> if you think about it man all we did was we lost the second round like we didn't really do much <laughs> right. in the grand scheme of things we were a second round exit but i just think the way we embodied that city and and the run we went on in the and the characters on that team um you know that that team is will be talked about forever absolutely i think it's and dope you got to play with baron baron was incredible and it was small ball i mean it was the ball it's the game that we just watched the last 10 years with the Warriors, now it's kind of changing because Jokic is back in the mix and Biggs are back in the mix. But it was kind of the beginning of, you know, us, Phoenix, kind of playing that small ball, 6'8 center at times. Mm -hmm. I was playing center, you know what I mean? So that, that's a small ball kind of running, gunning, shooting, not as many threes, but a lot of threes is kind of what we were doing and was our recipe to success. Dope, dope, man. Yeah, that was a fun time, I know, for me. Um, that's when I was really into basketball. I, think I was in college at the time. And... Uh, just finishing up my sophomore year and just I just remember watching that playoff series yeah. like you know you're kind of watching it and then the, the series keeps on going and you know I was I'm from LA mm -hmm. I was living in Kansas at the time though and uh you know so Baron Davis was, and you like UCLA cats were mm -hmm. playing so I'm watching that's mm -hmm. that's how, how it went and uh just to see I mean everything there was a lot of highlights that year period <laughs> on that team and then to see the playoff series and you know, eight being the one, um, you know, it, it makes it, it really does make you believe. Like, mm -hmm. we believe it sounds cool, but mm -hmm. actually, uh, everybody loves an underdog, yeah. that underdog story. And to see, you know, this team come together, a bunch of scrappy dudes who, mm -hmm. who bout it, they, you know, yeah. they're ready to go to war. So, yeah. no, it was dope to see, man. So, thank you for uh, blessing yeah. us with that, yeah. you know, <laughs> the, the whole squad. All right, so this is called Flip the Script. We're going to flip the script now. Two questions for me. It could be about anything Ooh. in the world. Um, where did you find the passion to do what you do with the core program? So core started on accident. Um, I had Johnny Duzang, who's on the Utah mm -hmm. Jazz now, and I was a trainer at the time. And 
Um, so how training came about, so I was trying to be a financial advisor. I was trying to work in insurance. I was trying to do all these other things because I was about to get married. And uh, so I had a job as a financial advisor. I got fired because I failed the Series 65 test or whatever it was. I, I rushed through it trying to get, get to the money and uh, failed the test, got let go from my job. And I just had got married three months before or something mm. like that. So mm -hmm. I was like, uh, I got to put this together. Wifey ain't paying these bills. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> she bringing money in, but, you know, had to take care of home. And so I had a couple part-time clients. Those clients went from four to 20 to 40 to 60. And I'm like, started making more money than I would if right. I was a financial advisor in that moment, you know? And um, one of those clients was Johnny Juzang. And he, uh, his dad approached me. He's like, hey, I want him to homeschool and train. And then from there, I was like, oh, I watch him. I ain't doing nothing during the day. I don't train until after school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's a good student. And so he's like, man, if you're going to do that, I know some other parents who are interested. And we had a meeting, had 15 families show up, eight people signed right. up. And those eight kids were all like 4.0 students, high level, high level kids. Mm -hmm. um, most of them playing, you know, now in college mm -hmm. or playing pro. Um, and so my passion for core started because... I was able to do basketball during the school day. Like I'm able to make ends meet by just doing basketball. And that's what it was. That was such a crazy concept to hear too. Cause one of my ex-wives like, oh, basketball class, but I don't think, I know you wouldn't let the academics slide. Like academics are important too. Cause you hear this and you see all these schools that'll pop up where it's a, you know, we do that. Like it's all basketball. And she's like, yeah, schools are very solid. Yeah. Like that's dope. So. All right. Uh, last question. Best part about being, Dad. Oh, dang. Best part about being a dad. Man, my, I got little ones, so I got four and two. So right now, the best part of being a dad is the day-to-day -day growth. Like, a lot of dads have told me, like, hey, cherish every day. Like, really live in that moment. And I've taken that advice to heart. So I make sure, like, my daughter, I see her grow literally every day. Mm. She's tall than mug. Mm -hmm. you know, so physically, I see her grow, but her conversations with me, the Different. things that I am exposing her to and teaching her about, even though she's young, and it was from when she was born, I used to tell my wife, like, hey, I'm going to talk over her head. I'm going to talk to her like an adult mm -hmm. because she's going to understand. And I shouldn't have done that because she knows way Too more than she much. needs to know now. Yeah, She is so, she comprehends immediately. She'll see me do something once. She's uh, yelling at cars, uh, and she's go. I yell at a car one day. The next day, she's in my wife's car. Like, why is my daughter yelling at right. cars? Like, go! What are you doing? Picking Sounds that like stuff daddy. up. She uh, you know she does it. Daddy, I don't want you to go to work. We gotta go play the picnic in my room. Like, mm. she fully comprehends like life now. And so I'm like, man, I gotta make sure I'm at home. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's those the quality time mm. I have to say, and even with my son, where. He's the total opposite of my daughter. He takes his time. He's chill. He's living his best life. <laughs> um, he actually has that surgery tomorrow, little mm. minor procedure. But even with, you know, that's medical stuff happening, you know, it makes you worry mm -hmm. about him. But I have like the, his, I guess his, the peace that he shows me in his life, like he don't even know nothing's wrong with him. Mm -hmm. He's just chilling. And so I cherish the moments of who he is right now and just like, yo, I don't care what you're going through. First off, this is going to make you tough. Mm -hmm. We all want that for our sons to mm -hmm. be a little bit tough. Yeah. And so that's what I do. It's like, man, I'm loving y'all no matter what and growing y'all to be who God's showing me 
you know, how God's showing me to parent y'all. Mm-hmm. So it's in those moments to just that quality time and that connect, man. Nothing like it. I get it. Yeah, Trust me, I get it. Don't make me all emotional on my yeah. show, man. <laughs> <laughs> dope, dope. So um, you got 24-second shot clock. Ooh. So we know uh, all the smoke. So we don't have to really pub that because y'all know what that is. Anything else going on that you want people to check out or anything like that? Oh, man, all the smoke productions is coming. We have some dope. I told you guys a little bit off camera about a story we were working on. So just look out for all the smoke productions. Uh, we're coming. We're going to create quality content, um, honest content, real content, raw content. Excited for that. Dope. All right, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Y'all had it here, Matt Barnes, man. Appreciate it. No doubt, man. Best of luck to your little man, too, with this procedure. Praying for you guys. Yep, appreciate it. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.